0: Okay, I want to just, want to just uh, talk and share, pick up from where David was last week. This year we've had several prophetic ministries come into the church. What is amazing and stunning is that uh, two people coming one after the other within a month spoke out of the same parable, and uh, David picked it up when he was talking about the offering this morning, and it was the parable of the loaves and the fishes where Jesus called on the disciples, having seen the need to stand up and do something about it. And, of course, their first thing was to operate in the natural. And Jesus was giving them an opportunity to touch in supernatural provision. So one of the things that God is speaking to us, and there's a number of things, but let me just pick the one key one that came through all of the weekend. God is wanting the church to touch another level in the realm of the supernatural. That's not just deliverance, not just a prophecy here and there, not just one or two people being healed, but seeing God moving in our lives significantly and consistently. Now, you were born for that. The problem is how do you get like that? That's the difficulty. That's the challenge. And so we want to, I want to start to focus some time, felt the Holy Ghost put into my heart. If God is speaking along those lines, what we need to do is then to begin to look at what it takes to live that kind of life that pleases God and draws his blessing around your life. And uh, next Sunday, or next weekend, I'll be teaching us how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, just the simple keys of how to operate and flow with the Holy Ghost. But what we're wanting to do on the Sunday mornings for a season now is talk about the kind of life that enables you to consistently carry the anointing of God and see the supernatural. And that's the kind of people God wants us to be. It's nothing to do with how young you are, how old you are. God is a God of all generations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, three generations, grandparents, parents, and youth. God wants to touch every one of us and bring us all into another level. But I I felt uh, through one of the things that David spoke to me that uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to share with you first of all, because if we're going to move forward, you've got to face where you are right now. Is that right? And uh, not only you got to face where you are right now, you've got to look at where you've come from as well. So before we start to move people forward, I want to just uh, do a message. It may take two Sundays to do it on overcoming your disappointments, overcoming your disappointments. And I want to talk in this area because it's very real for very many here. And if we don't address the disappointments of our life in a way that actually releases us from them, It will affect the capacity to walk into another dimension with God. If you want to come into another dimension with God, you've got to face what hinders you from getting there and got to do the things to get you there. And so if we want to become people of faith or people who trust God, we actually have to consider, have we drawn back from him because of disappointments? And so I want to just look at the whole area of disappointments and going to, I may get through it today, may not, may take two Sundays, doesn't really matter. I just want to, let's have a look at Mark chapter six, first of all. Mark chapter six, this is the first few verses here, verse three through to six. Jesus came to his own city. Now Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit is moving in a supernatural realm and came to his own city. And when he got in his own city, they looked at him and said in verse three, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, these uh, sisters are here with us. And they were offended at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is without honor except in his own country, among his own kin, his own house. And he could do no mighty work there through because of their unbelief. But he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled at their unbelief and just carried on ministering and teaching. Now Jesus was amazed at people's attitude. Because God's intention was that they be visited supernaturally. God's intention was... That there be healings and deliverance and breakthroughs and enlargement. That's God's intention. But God's intentions require our cooperation. As Dave was talking about with the prophetic word, he made it very clear when he spoke on the prophetic word concerning our church. One of the things he said is that the prophetic word is God's intention. It requires cooperation. So just because God speaks concerning something, inevitably there's always conditions, there's a response we have to make. So you could have heard God's intention for us individually and corporately and yet never experienced that. Or you could position yourself by making adjustments and changes so that we begin to start to access and release into the earth what God has in heaven for us. So when we say, pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For us here, the will of God involves accessing the realm of supernatural life. Not just having a prophecy or a miracle, but accessing a lifestyle that releases impact. That's the kind of life that makes influence on the lost. And so, as Dave was also talking, that that life is an overflowing life that flows out. So you can't be selfish, self-centered, living inside yourself, for yourself, and enjoy that life. A person wrapped up in themselves or living for themselves actually is still in sin and in death. Because Jesus came to recenter our life on a life that overflows and reveals God. So we need to recognize what holds us and locks us back in those places. So Jesus' intention in this city was to release a supernatural flow. However, the failure of the people to respond stopped the flow. And he marveled. And you know what he marveled at? He marveled at this. He marveled that God's heart was to do so much for them, and yet they wouldn't trust him. And he marveled that their unbelief was restricting the flow of God's power. So what did he do? He did two things. He found those that were open. Isn't that interesting? In spite of unbelief in a region, a city or whatever, there's always some that are open. And there's always some that can get miracles. The question is whether you're one of the ones. See? He, he found a few sick folk. Now these were people. There were lots of sick people. He found those who were open and who had a place of faith in their heart, and they got a healing. Others didn't. Now you don't want to walk away from a season in church life when God is wanting to do new things because you just looked, were cynical, or disappointed, or had walls or barriers. God wants everyone to arise to another level, and that includes me. So what I'm preaching today, I'm preaching to me, and I'm preaching it to you. Preaching it to us. It's what we all need to hear. It's what I felt God put in my heart, be mulling over it for some days. Okay, then. So notice here that the people in his own hometown were offended, or in other words, they literally were stumbled, or they had walls in their heart that hindered God being able to work. Now, there are keys that unlock the life of God for you, just as there are keys that unlock healthy relationships. And if we don't understand them and apply them, we don't enjoy the benefits. You can be revved up and hear all the testimonies of God moving somewhere, moving here, doing this, doing that, doing something else, and never actually be a part of it. And to tell the truth, I'm so, I don't want to hear it. I want to be part of it. I don't want to hear about what God does somewhere. I don't want to hear here. You know that's why I was so thrilled this morning. I heard when Bill come up to me and just started talking, and I thought, "That's I saw it for what it is. I saw that he's tapped into now a consistent flow." He's actually got a flow of finance. Two months ago, it wasn't there. Now it's there. And it's going to non-stop. A non-stop flow of finance. Now that's amazing, isn't it? Well, think about that. And what what it took was, it took a decision to act on what God was saying and, and sacrificially commit. And he did it. And now there's a flow of money that's just going to keep coming. So our government will be supporting orphans in Uganda. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Oh, don't tell Helen Clark that, please. (laughs) Glory to God. Okay, Okay, then. I want you to have a look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Shh, about some things you shh. (laughs) Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, If you didn't get last, if you went there last Sunday night, I encourage you to get last Sunday night's message. One of the best I've heard on faith. It was outstanding. And really substantial Get that message I want to pick up one aspect of it In Hebrews 11 verse 1 Now faith is the substance of things hope For the evidence of things not seen Now you notice there's a connection between Faith and hope Most of the time when people say they have faith Or they're believing Actually they're hoping We've got to understand there's a difference between the two Hope is a, is a positive expectation Of some good things going to happen Faith I know it I have an inner conviction it will happen. Faith and hope are different but connected. In other, firstly, you have to have hope. You must be looking for something. As a result of looking for that something, you come to a place where faith is birthed, and now you know it's going to become a reality. And uh, we'll talk about how faith grows in your life. But I want you to see, first of all, this issue of hope. Now, there's a natural hope. Some people are really full with hope. They're very, what, we call them, what we'd say, those kind of people, they've got a positive attitude. Now, you uh, saved and unsaved, I've met plenty of unsaved people, very positive attitude. And they're great to be around, you know, positive about this, positive, and they're looking forward to the future, they got goals, they've got plans. And that's a natural kind of hope, but there's a different kind of hope. That kind of hope is based on self-confidence and past experience of things going well for them. And so we can hope it's going to be fine, but we're not too sure it will be. We can hope we're going to have a great Christmas this year, but we're not sure how it's going to work. But there is another kind of hope. It's a spiritual hope, and it doesn't rest on our own confidence, on our own past experiences. It doesn't rest on, uh, on what may happen in the future. It doesn't rest on what's going on in the Middle East. It doesn't rest on any of those things. It rests on God, that God is a good God, so I can expect good things. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Now the God of all hope. God is a God of hope. In other words, hope is a part of his character. And so what God wants us to do is to develop an attitude of expectation towards the future. We must be filled with hope. Now the Bible says in that verse, Now the God of all hope, fill you with joy and peace that you might abound in hope. See, so God wants us to be filled with hope. In other words, we should be the most positive people about Because now, now the reason is different. See, if you talk to someone in the community, they may be positive because they've got some plans and the plans are working out. They may be positive because there's an economic climate that's good. In other words, it's based externally. But the hope we have is a hope based on the character of God. It rests on, is God good or not? Are you connected to a good God? Does that God have good plans for your life? Therefore, you can always have a positive attitude. In Romans eight twenty eight, it says, Now God works all, all things work together for good for those who love God. And that means keep his commandments. They're committed to him and are called according to his purposes. So if God has called you to his purpose and called you to follow him and you love him and you're doing what you can to walk with him, you can be full of hope and you can know this. No matter what stuff happens in your life, God can turn it around and make it good for you. It doesn't matter what is just up to you. God is able to turn around and it's a stepping stone for you. No matter what disappointment came in your life, God can use it as a stepping stone to help you grow. No matter what struggle you've got in your life, God can use it as a way to get you forward. In other words, all things, all things, all things, all things, good and bad, God can use them to get us forward. Now that gives you reason then to have great hope. We should not be walking around complaining. Being negative about this, negative about that, down and out, worried about the weather, depressed when it's winter, happy when it's summer. What kind of life is that? That is not the God supernatural life. That is a life lived in the flesh subject to circumstances. God wants us to rest in a trusting relationship who he is. He is a good God. He's good now. He's always been good. He'll be good tomorrow, be good in the future. Every day, he's a good God. He does not change. Meditate on what he did at Calvary. Good God. Sinners and he sent his own son. knowing they're going to crucify him. Good God. And if God would send his son while we hated him, how much more now will he do more good things for us? So we have to be established in our heart. God is good and he does good things to those who follow him. So our life rests on the goodness of God. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. But that's an act of faith that requires that you set your heart towards God. Now you say, well, man, you don't know half the things happened to me. No, but they could all work for good, or they could defeat you and make you bitter. Guess who makes the choice? You have to choose how you're going to respond. You say, oh, well, you, I had all these disappointments. Well, we'll get together one time. I'll tell you for your mind. See, disappointments and things that go wrong and things that we're in a world of conflict, a world with there's sin, a world with there's issues, a world with there's troubles. And into that world where there is death, a God of resurrection came. And if we have a confidence and a trust in Him and lean on Him, we can have hope no matter how bad it looks. He's got life the other side of it. There is always life the other side of it. Hopeless situations are not without hope in God because He's a God of miracles. You look at a man dead in the grave, that's hopeless. Not to God, it isn't just an easy miracle. See, blind eye, well that's hopeless. Doctors can't do anything, no hope. That's what they'll tell you. No hope. But that's not what God says. God can do things. He's a miracle God. So we have to rest in the fact of who God is. Our faith is based on who God is. So we get to need to get to know who he is from the Bible, what God says about himself and begin to rest on that. Amen. Now, here's the difficulty. What happens if I've been hoping for some good things and the good things didn't happen? How many can identify with that? And not only did the good things not happen that you were expecting, but bad things you didn't expect did happen. How many thought that? Good. That's how many everyone's had that. How many struggle with God over this stuff? Yeah, to be honest about that one, I've struggled with God over it. it seems unreasonable. But I have to look for good things, but when bad things come, I've got to be able to look past them and still have a good attitude. And when you prayed for God to do things, he didn't do them something actually the opposite of what you thought was going to happen, happened, and there you are. What do you feel? You feel disappointed. See, disappointment, is, it comes out of two words, the word appointment and the word yeah, The Appointment means I've got, I'm expecting to meet someone, and it never happened. Ever had that? When you expected to meet someone and it never happened? You stood there waiting, 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 waiting. And what did you feel like after a little while of waiting? What did you feel like? You felt upset. You feel angry. Disappointed. Isn't that right? So disappointment comes. It means we're an appointment. Something we expected never happened. And uh, so when things that we've been looking forward to don't happen, or they don't happen the way we wanted it, or they don't happen when we wanted it, what do you feel? Disappointed. Why? Because life, of course, is all about us. And we expect that God will come and do things for us at our time, our way, when and how we want it. And we find to our dismay he does not. And so God calls us to trust him, and yet he doesn't play our game the way we want it played. When, so you, you, you notice that when it comes to a, a woman's got a husband who's, who's unsaved or he's difficult. So she begins to pray. She's trying to make God change him, and he won't. And not only does he not change the more she prays, the worse she gets. What does she feel? Disappointed. Disappointed who with? With God. And we're going to talk about what happens when you get disappointed because some stuff happens inside you when you get disappointed. And if you don't know what happens and how to deal with it, you won't get out of it. You'll carry it into your next situation until after a while, when you had enough disappointments, then you draw back and you'll take a position. And it's that position I want to get everyone out of if we've got in there. Okay, so this one. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, if you have disappointment after disappointment, you become sick inside and in your heart, you're in a man, feels weak and worn and hurt now what we're talking about here you're feeling weak inside in other words you can't rise up like you used to you're disappointed disappointed so disappointment means something you expected never happened when you happened when you wanted it how you wanted it or something really bad happened that you never expected that's always a bit of a problem, isn't it? I remember when I wanted to buy a piece of land, in anyway, real easy to buy a piece of land. It's no hum, you go down, you just make an arrangement with it, and then you buy the land. You know, for most people, three, six months, that's about all it should be. Our piece of land buying was like the hospital purchase, you know, went on for years and years with court hearing after court hearing. And do you think I felt disappointed? Oh, yes, big time. Who with? Not with the council, not with anyone, except with God. How come, God, you let this thing drag on? How come, God, you didn't give us a breakthrough? So what happens when, we, when God doesn't come when we want or how we want, we're in a dilemma, we feel disappointed. And we're going to do something. And what you do determines whether you grow or go back. Amen? Whether you grow or go back. You can change or you go backwards, but you never, never get unaffected by it. And so all of us can think of disappointments. You know, we prayed for someone to get healed and they died. Oh, that's a disappointment. You had every word of God, you're praying the scripture, and you were hoping that they would be healed, and they died. So now, disappointed with God. I've seen whole churches disappointed, because they're focused on praying for someone who's sick, and they died, and everyone got disappointed. Who'd they get disappointed with? God. And if we've got disappointment with God, how are we going to walk in faith? How are we going to live the supernatural life if our heart is choked with disappointments? How are we going to do that? We need to get out of the disappointment. We've got to face the disappointments, get out of them. And the disappointments are all kinds, you see. They come, we get disappointed in God, and then we get disappointed in the church because we come in and expect certain things. For some reason, we think the church will be a lot better than it is. For some reason, we have this idea that everyone is going to be, it'll just be great, it'll be all God. And then we find it isn't. It's all people and a little bit of God in there, you know. And, and, and people get, they're, all, they're not very nice, some of them. And they treat us bad and we get disappointed. So I found as a young Christian, of course, you become, na- you're naive. You, think, you just say, wow, God, so good. Then you meet some cranky old Christians and boy, after a while you wonder what you've hit. You're disappointed you if people with attitudes and stuff and, you know, God once moved on them and now He stopped and now they're pouring water on you, you know, trying to wet blanket you till you become flat like everyone else. I don't want to be flat like everyone else. I want to burn. So, don't, you know, you've got to do something about these things when they come. How many know what I'm talking about? So, you know, maybe you expected you'd get a promotion. You didn't get promoted and someone who didn't deserve it got promoted. It's not fair. So our cry when we're disappointed, it's not fair. You know what we're talking about here? And heat? Look, I know all over the church here. People are full of. We've all got our disappointment stories. The problem is what we do with them. So some people are better at getting over them than others. And, uh, but there are some things that happen to every person who's disappointed. One of the things I've learned with disappointments is they accumulate if you don't resolve them. They just build and build and build and build and build and build and build. But then you come to a certain point, then you just draw back. And uh, and it's it's a tragic. I've seen lots of Christians who once on fire for God and then they drew back and you ask, Well why did they draw back? Why the why has the fire gone out? Inevitably it's disappointment. Something we expected never happened when we wanted, how we wanted, the way we wanted it. It just God didn't play the game according to the way we wanted it. And we get like a little child. Well, if you don't play it I'm take my ball and go home. You know? We get like that with God. Childish. And there's a lot of Christians who are like that. Oh, well, you can play the way I want it. I'm not going to come to church. You know, I've seen even people tithe. You know, they tithe. This is where they tithe. You know, and uh, this is not biblical tithe, by the way. Well, they tithe. Well, oh, you've got to tithe. All right, I've tithe, 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 tithe. Oh, God, you've got to do something. Nothing happened. No, let's have to cancel my tithe. This is what people do. Why? Because they're disappointed. He didn't even understand what God was trying to do in their life. He wanted their heart, not that tithe. Once he got the heart and then the tithe, the more comes because we become an abundant, generous people. But he wanted the heart. So disappointment can affect us. And disappointments can be in our family, in our marriage. The ones closest to us can disappoint us. Uh, It can be parents with their children. Parents with their children can suffer great disappointments. Because you all have dreams. You all have a dream about our children, what they're going to be. This a little baby. It all looks so exciting, a new baby. And then it grows. and It's a toddler. and It's just such a wonderful thing. And then you've got to deal with the world. And then they get to become teenagers. Oh, now teenagers. Oh, I don't know what happened. They went mad for about 10 years, you know. And then they're mad, you know. Here today, up and down. But, you know, there's some. Others are really godly and stable and committed. and You see them on the door and they say... But, but some go mad. They have mad attacks. And it can last five minutes. Slam the door, then it's all over. It can last a couple of hours. It can last for days or it can last a long time. And they can get hooked in that vulnerable time into all kinds of things and bring great grief to parents. And you all know that. If you're a parent, you'll know that. Most kids don't realize that. You know, a young couple, they get involved, and then uh, one of them gets pregnant. They don't re- I sat one couple down, talked to them. I said, now listen. I said, you sin before God. But I said, what you haven't realized is that we never sin alone. We always sin firstly against God and then against the people we're connected to. And I sat down with this couple as they were just grieving over the fact the girl had got pregnant. They, initially, they were sorry because they were in this mess. The girl was pregnant. And then I sat and I talked it through. Them. I said, now, now I got the, the girl. And I said, I want you to think of the people in your life that love you. So I want to talk about your mum and dad first of all. And mum and dad had a dream for your life, and that dream involved some man courting you and, 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 and romance forming, and then there'd be engagement, a celebration of engagement, and then there'd be a, there'd be a marriage, and then eventually be an announcement of a child, and there'd be great joy and blessing because it's all in its right season. But what you've done is it's not just you're pregnant, you, you've stolen all that dream from them. So while they'll be positive because there's a grandchild, They will be heartbroken because a dream of what they had for you was taken away. You owe them an apology. Not just for your sin, but for the impact it has on them. They'll be disappointed. So I went right through and talked about the whole lot of them the the father and the mother, how they'd feel, the brothers and sisters, how they'd feel. And what about the other people around you in church? How do you think they feel? People will put on a positive face because that's what we try and do, but in their heart they'll be disappointed very disappointed so I said you owe it to say sorry, you owe it to apologize because you've affected others by your behaviors, you know so, so you start to think about this and you realize disappointments, are. My, this is a part of life we're going to go through life, things that at times don't work like we thought and we've got to learn how to handle it, now let me show you some things that people tend to do when they handle it, disappointments accumulate and if we have a lot of disappointments they get into our life now let me give you several things of how they impact people, number one when you're disappointed, the first thing that'll happen is you'll have a sense of grief. Maybe light, maybe deep. You'll have a sense of grief because there's a loss. So for that example I quoted with the, with the parent with a the child, there'd be a deep grief. A deep grief. A deep sense of loss. Deep grief over a dream. Uh, parents see a child get onto drugs and they see the, the, the child, the girl or the guy go off the rails. There's a deep grief and the grief doesn't go away. The grief is there every day. They live with that child. And, of course, their problem is, well, God, I prayed, but what, where were you? you understand? These are, you've got to get through disappointments. Otherwise, they do affect our capacity to trust and to walk with God. So the first thing is a feeling of deep grief, which involves a bit of shock about the whole thing and then anger about it all and, and then looking someone to blame. And usually we blame God. That's just a normal part of grieving. So, for example, suppose uh, you've been praying for your family. There's a tragic accident and a drunk goes over the road, runs into the car, and then one of the children or someone is killed. Immediately, there's a great grief, grief of loss. Then finally, the grief comes about God. I had a pastor, a a, a man that I spoke to in another nation, and his wife had died of cancer. And so I went to comfort him and talk to him. I said, I want to talk with you about where you stand with God because right now you've got issues. I said, your whole future, your whole future In walking in the supernatural and purpose of God depends on you being able to trust him. And right now your trust is shattered. So when deep disappointment takes place, our trust in God gets shattered. And once your trust in God is shattered, if you don't do something about it, you will not walk the supernatural life. You will withdraw to the comfort zone. We'll just share with you the other steps of what people do. So no The first thing is, is grief over. The second thing is reaction. There's a reaction when we're grieved and hurt. When people are disappointed, they react and grieve. And so there's several things that people do. One is uh, to, um, one, one thing that people do when we're disappointed is to just distrust. I won't trust anymore. You've let me down. I can remember saying that to God one time. I feel you've let me down. And it came out of my heart and I wept with deep weeping as I said it because I felt in my heart I trusted him with my life. And then this thing had happened. It seemed, God, you how come? The paradox of, of living the life where people are being blessed through you and then right in front of your own face you've got a problem you can't solve. And it, it happens. This is life. You, you can, be, you can be, have a ministry where you're praying for and seeing people healed of cancers and then someone in your own family dies of cancer. What does it do? It puts a paradox around your life. This thing, God's doing it out there, but right where you needed him, he didn't come through for you. And what it does is it causes us to distrust. That's one of the reactions. Another another reaction that takes place is uh, to become bitter or resentful. And some of you here are quite bitter and resentful because things you expected or hoped for just didn't happen. You're just disappointed, but you didn't deal with it, so you let it go. And if it goes into your heart and you don't deal with it, what happens is very soon it'll be out of your mouth and you will do this. You'll complain. And your complaining is is the verbal evidence of your heart's unbelief that God is a good God. When you hear people complaining, they're in a place of unbelief. People complaining are in a place of unbelief. They do not believe that God works, God who is a good God, who gave everything for us, who loves us and cannot stop loving us, who will give everything that we need for life. They don't believe that that's true. They believe in their pain rather than in the character of God. You see, this is the life of faith. The life of the supernatural takes you through periods where you have disappointments. And if you don't actually deal with them and rest your life, that God is good, God can be trusted, God keeps his word. No matter what happens, I will lean on him. If we can't get to that place, then our disappointments will cause us to come to a terrible place where you have to keep up a pretense. You have to try to look positive, sound positive, sing the songs, but your heart isn't in it. And God doesn't want us like that. He wants us to be genuine and authentic. So the, it says in Proverbs 19, verse 3, when a person's uh, folly messes up his life, then it says his heart blames God or rages or is angry with, with God. Crazy? Have you noticed how people who don't believe in God blame God when anything bad goes on? It's just the evidence of unbelief. Their unbelief is evidenced in blaming God. See, they know there's a God. They're just trying to persuade themselves that, 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 that there is no God. But the moment something goes wrong, how come God permitted this? How come God lets there be wars? How come God doesn't step in? The other, the other obviously says, how come you won't believe in a good God and do something to be part of the solution? See, think about it. So when people complain, when you complain, you evidence your unbelief. And it doesn't matter how committed a member you are of the church. It's not about being a committed member of the church. It's about a personal relationship with someone who loves me and wants me to love him and to trust him and to trust my life to him. You know, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, lean not on your own understanding. I'm trying not figure it all out. In all your ways, acknowledge him be intimate. And he will direct your path. You say, well, I don't like the path he's directing me in. Too bad. God is God. Stop trying to tell him how to direct your life yield, it's called the cross and of course there will be many of you many among us will be wrestling we're going to be wrestling with stuff right now because already it's getting close to us is that right? ok let me just give you a couple of things I, I'm not going to finish the message and I won't even try I'll get this far, here's the, here's the next thing is that the next thing we tend to do is to protect ourselves from disappointment again ah. so having first of all Uh, grieved and felt really ticked off about the disappointment and then starting to react by distrusting and uh, by being resentful about the thing that didn't work out. The next thing we decide is a strategy that no one can put me in that place again and we withdraw. Now some withdraw from church. They blame church so they go out and withdraw. Some people don't blame church, some people just withdraw. They're in church and they're withdrawn. And so they have no life because they're not connected to God. There's a, there's a lack of vital life because they're withdrawn. You know, in the Bible, we just protect ourselves from disappointment. So what we do is we guard the heart. We won't allow ourselves to be hurt anymore. But God wants us to live a life where we do become a little vulnerable. We do open our heart. We do share our life. And we do have the risk of things happening. There is no supernatural life without the risk of failure and hurt. Take a look at the one we're following. What happened to him? It is the life we're called. We're called to follow the life of the cross. It's a life lived for someone else bigger than ourselves, Not to save ourselves, build all the securities around our life. We're called to entrust our life to Him and walk in a way that pleases Him. So if you get disappointed and don't resolve it, you're going to withdraw in your heart from trusting. Now, of course, what happens is the moment we start to stir the church to the supernatural, you're provoked out of your corner and you're in a spot because you're really in your heart, although the mouth is saying, well, I love God. Yeah, I want to please go and live that supernatural. Life. But in the heart, the heart's saying another thing. And so the moment God starts to move the church towards the supernatural, towards a life that trusts him, you know what's going to happen? We're going to feel the things inside our heart come up. So that's why I thought I'd cheer on it today. Give you a chance to get some warning, eh? <laughs> we form beliefs. The last thing we do is we form beliefs about God and people. We form beliefs about God and people. Uh, or we reinforce our beliefs about God and people. We form them or reinforce our beliefs about God and people. So if people are basically in our heart, we don't believe God is good, when something goes wrong, yeah, I knew it. See, so what is needed is one, for us to face and resolve disappointments, and two, to become established that God is a good God and I can commit and trust my life to him. I can trust my finances to him. Why? Because he's a good God and he has the principles and keys in life for success. I can trust my marriage to him and I can do what he wants me to do. Why? Because he's a good God and he wants the very best and he knows how to get me there. Say. Most, most people want to fix the other person up rather than let God change them through the painful process of disappointment. So God is a good God. So those are the two things. Number one, we need to be to deal with, we need to face and resolve past disappointments. And number two, we need to, we need to build our inner belief system that God is a good God, that I can trust him and trust his words. And see, once we start to do that, our life begins to open up to the supernatural. Because all of the supernatural depends on this, that God is good and you can trust his words. The whole life of faith depends totally on the character of God, that he's good and you can trust his words. When the devil came to tempt Eve, he tempted Eve. Well, you know, did God really say that? Well, Well, don't listen to that. You know, you can sin without hurting yourself. God's holding out on you. So he attacked the character of God, that God is good, and he attacked the word of God, that God's word is to be trusted. So in the coming weeks, God is going to begin to start to push on everyone here. I can feel it in my spirit. There's there's an opening of a river of life for the church at this time but we need to break out of the past. We need to break out of disappointments. You say, "Well, well, what if it happens again? What if it happens again? What if... You'll be more prepared to handle it better and to use it as a stepping stone rather than the obvious stumbling block it has been to you in the past. What if people hurt me? They're going to. Get over it. Face the fact that we're called to live the life of the cross. If we want the glory and the power of God, we have to also recognize there'll be some suffering and difficulties and hardships we'll experience on the way. Well, I don't want that. We'll then settle for the natural life and then stay away from the life that really counts. The exciting life where God works in us and God works through us. Where we have a passion, a life, a fire. We begin to fulfill our destiny. We begin to be the people God called us to be. You say, amen to that. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. You're speaking to your church at this time. We thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us to another realm. I pray over this week, Lord, that every person here would begin to remember, recollect, or begin to start to become conscious of disappointment that has covered the heart and entered the heart and brought reactions of withdrawing from trusting you. Lord, we want to grow forward. Lord, your word declares you have no pleasure in the one that draws back. And you want us to please you. And we don't want to draw back. We want to walk with you. We want to be men and women of faith. Lord, I ask right now, just while it's quiet and while it's settled here right now, I'm asking, Lord, that your word would begin to touch hearts and lives. Every one of us, Lord, I've experienced many disappointments. Lord, I'm just believing that in these weeks, that all of that will just wash out new levels of faith and expectation will come now listen to me just listen church I want to share this with you as we finish on Friday morning we had a session with staff and Dave came in and he shared some things about the supernatural life that God wanted the church to be supernatural in the middle of it he made this statement that decades of disappointment needed to be brought to the cross And new faith and expectation. And I felt God just speak into my heart. That applied to me. If it applies to me, it can apply to any person here who's been around a while in God. It's hoped and prayed and experienced disappointment. God wants us to be free of it so we can trust Him at a deeper level. I felt God just really impact me. I wrote, I wrote that statement down. I wrote rings around it. I've looked at it each day pretty well since then. Decades. It's years. And in fact, if you look at the church in New Zealand, it hasn't done well over the last 30 years. And it's not doing so hot right now. But the future is always looking better because God's got a hope we've got to get over disappointments, over the past, over the setbacks, over the things. You've got to look and see that your life and our lives are in God's hands. And He can turn everything for good. I want you to just join with me in just being open to the Lord over this next week or so. That whatever's come into our heart to disappoint us, to steal the dreams, to take away our hope that God would uncover it and heal us and restore us. That there would be a release of fresh faith into the life of the church. Father, I just thank you for Bay City. I thank you for the generosity. I thank you for the largeness of heart. I thank you, Lord, for the supernatural atmosphere in this place. I thank you, Lord, for our influence in nations. And now, Lord, we want to extend our influence locally. We want to impact our region. And, Lord, to do that, we've got to break through areas where we're disappointed, where we've invited people, worked with people so much and haven't received a great harvest back. But we want to arise and go through all of that. Lord, I pray that you'll have every one of us to break through disappointments and come to new levels of faith. Faith that God is a good God. Faith that his word can be trusted, and that we are willing to trust him at his word. Everyone said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, when we just stand. This is honor Jesus Christ. I this I want to just sing that song Rising. I feel my heart rising.